0: So, you guys are listening to This Is America right now. I feel like that's an appropriate intro uh,
1: to everything we got going on. Definitely, definitely. And this is actually episode 47 of the District 3 Podcast. This is Irvin. This is Manny. And uh, we're here uh, talking a lot about important things that have been happening, uh, not only for the past few days, but for months, for years, for decades. Uh, We wanted to touch on the subject of Black Lives Matter, police brutality, um, discrimination, just because there's discrimination everywhere. Uh, There's discrimination in Arkansas, there's discrimination in our own um, backyard. So today we're actually going to have three different guests. Uh, Two of them will be live on the air with us right now, and then the third one will be available on the podcast episode once it's been uploaded online. Um, we'll have uh, community organizer DeAndre jo- Jones join us today. Uh, we also have community organizer Alice Cachuso. And from Little Rock joining us, uh, won't be live on the air, but she will be on the recorded episode of the podcast, Dr. Anika Whitfield. So Uh, we have a lot of the heavy hitters of the community in regards to organizing in the black community so we feel very blessed today and joining us right now we actually have springdale's own community organizer alice cachuso thank you for joining us alice thank
2: you for having me
1: (laughs) it's really hot right now isn't it
2: yeah it's like um yeah especially in america
1: (laughs) (laughs) especially in here it's it's pretty hot and uh and i think Uh, I'm wearing these headphones right now, which makes it even hotter, Uh, but we're here. We're here to talk about something that is important to all of us and uh, something that we need to talk about so that we can kind of learn from each other. I know I need to learn from you. I need to learn from a lot of our guests today just to kind of how to be a better ally, how to better support the movement, Um, And we've had you on the podcast before, Alice, this is your second time here So you're one of the select few that have been on the podcast two times It's definitely
2: an honor to be here Um, Extremely humbled that you, you know, would want me to come and share my opinion and share my input And, you know, share my voice and my story and what I think And and so I definitely feel humbled to uh, be here with you
1: and you're a graduate from Spring Hill High School, so you're from here, yes, right? And yes. you moved you moved away for a little bit, but you uh-huh. came back. Your children are, are uh, you're being you're raising them here yes. at the moment. Yes, And uh, there are some bright kids. I've met each one of them, and each one of them has, like, their own talents, and they're just so special. Um, yes. So you've definitely raised them right, and I can see them blossom into their own community leaders at yes. the moment as well. Um, so we're here to talk about, of course, a serious topic. Um, and I just kind of want to get a little bit about like where your mindset is right now, just with the current events, and then we'll touch more on like what's happening with you personally here in the community. Okay. Um, but where do, where do you feel you're at right now just with everything going on, Alice?
2: Um, with everything that's going on in our country, um, it's exhausting. Mm. It's extremely exhausting. It's tiresome. It makes you doubt the progress that we progressed to, uh, to have made. Um, it doubt, it makes you doubt the sincerity of some of our allies and we you know sincerely believe that they love us and they're in our hearts and they're in this fight and they're on the line with us but when you see so many things that happen over yeah. and over blindly, it literally makes you doubt the sincerity behind you saying that you're here with me
1: yeah you know and i think one of the, one of the things that i learned from you uh, I know we were talking about this because we had like a pretty intense phone call. I think it was was it yesterday or the day I before yesterday, yesterday. Yeah. and uh, and I learned something from you you know because I know that a lot of the times let 's say for example, us uh, from the Latinx community, we think we know how to be a good ally, but sometimes we we try, but we 're not doing what we should be doing you know and and it takes sometimes conversations like the one that we had yesterday. For people like me For our eyes to open and be like You know maybe I shouldn't do this this way Maybe I should be careful what, what terms I use yeah. I know we were talking about like uh, Like talking about like Black and brown communities Being public about like supporting each other On social media You know talk about like mm-hmm. black and brown power What does that really mean You know like what does it really mean If no action follows that And uh, And I definitely want to hear If you can talk a little bit about that
2: Okay so To me um, and I believe to a lot of my community members especially the african-american community mm-hmm. There's nothing like someone saying yo, we got your back We hear what you were gonna fight what you understand where you're at, but there is no presence Yeah, you you can tell me all day long that you're gonna be there with me, but there is no presence of you being there um, and then So when you are there, why are you there? Are you there because people are looking and they're expecting you to be there Or are you there because you genuinely feel it? Now, Mm. I don't want you to come and stand next to me and and say that you feel me and that you're here for me after someone has called you and said, hey, why are you not there? Yeah, Because that means that's not genuine.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, I need all of my Hispanic um, and Marshallese community members to understand that where you guys are right now as far as being um in the community and having stores and having um you know different uh avenues you have you have a produce stores you have all kinds of stores and you have restaurants and you have mechanics and you have all of that but remember that you didn't have that so long ago
1: Yeah.
2: yeah um and so though you have made it to where you need to be or where you think it's a great place for you to be, you still are leaving Mm -hmm. your brothers and sisters behind who have been fighting just as long, longer, if not harder. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: You can't tell me that you're my ally if you ain't going to fight with me, point blank, period. Please do me a favor and hush.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of us... um we have to do besides the action part of it, because I think that's that's important and I continue to learn every day how to be a better ally, um, there's things that we can do in our in our house. You know, there's there's racism that we can call out (sighs) with our own family members and Mm -hmm. I've done that several times. Not with my immediate family but with like family, you know, that use terms that are racist, that will say racist things. Uh you have to call them out on that because if you don't do that then like how can you even say that you're an ally? Like, even if you're saying it publicly and even if you're sharing mm. right now, the black lives matter, mm. uh, posts, you know, everything in support of George Floyd, but you're not even calling out your own family.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Don't be a hypocrite. I mean, oh. there's, there's a big thing. Um, I mean, just having discussions. I mean, it really doesn't even take that long. It's just saying like, Hey, could you please not say that around me or, Hey, you know, I, I think that's kind of messed up. I prefer that. You didn't use that term. I mean, it's it's a simple thing to, to just sway a conversation and educate each other. Because, I mean, that's the only way we do things is together.
2: Um, and I think that, you know, besides, you know, um, just being like, hey, you know, please don't say that around me, explain to them exactly what it is that they're saying. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: well, and, exp- say it and, the and explain to them the, the, where the background comes from mm. and how it is so hard to remember a struggle um, when you're still going through it. But when you're done past that struggle, a lot of people tend to forget where they've been. And a lot of these babies, and I'm, I'm now I'm, I'm in there now. A lot of these babies <laughs> here in Springdale yeah. have been embedded with racism.
1: Yeah,
2: definitely. This is the crazy part. You ready for the crazy part? You're expecting, I more than anything was expecting this racism to come from the white children's. Mm-hmm. My child has been told to go back where he came from, Mm -hmm. from a Marshallese. He has been called a nigger, Mm -hmm. um, from a Hispanic, Mm -hmm. and this has happened more than once. And so now I have to question, for some community to be so full of diversity and love and inclusion, because that's what we scream.
1: Yeah.
2: Why is it that these children, the last ones that should be hurting anybody Mm -hmm. why do they feel comfortable with that where are you have you sat down and talked to your nieces and your nephews and your your cousins and your children and your grandchildren have you sat down and talked to them it is not easy to be a black person adult or child in Springdale that ain't easy. And anybody that says it's easy, I am telling them they are lying.
1: And you had your own experience. I've here too. been
2: here since I was 14 years old. And still to this day, there are things that has happened to me in Springdale that I still struggle with. Mm-hmm. And I'm about to be 42. Yeah. So you can't tell me, oh, no, you know, it's not like that or this. No, it really is. And the crazy thing is that my kids are now still going through the same thing, but it's coming in a different avenue. When I was here in the 90s, in the early 90s, up until 97, and I went to school here, it came from the white children, because literally, Hispanics, Marshallese, that's when everybody started really you know, coming, and it started being a diversified city.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but now, 20-something years later, my children are receiving the same behavior that I received, but they're receiving it from the people that we are actually fighting for.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm a community organizer in the city of Springdale. There's only a couple of black people in Springdale. So if I'm organizing, I'm not, org- I mean, I'm organizing for who?
0: Yeah. Right. Right. But
2: y'all really calling my babies this <laughs> and telling them this and making, this is their favorite thing to say. Well, no soy mexicano. You ain't Mexican. Mm. I seen your mom. She's mm. black.
1: Yeah.
2: So, on my How you, what makes you, like, where does that come from? You can't tell my kid that he's a nigger and yeah. that he is not Mexican because his mom is black.
0: Yeah.
2: The racism that comes from the Hispanic and Marshallese community hurts and it hurts worse than the racism that comes from the white community. Yeah. Because we're here fighting for y'all.
1: Yeah. And just to that make hurts. it clear, um, your son is Mexican and, and he's black. black too. Yes,
2: I am black. I am just a beautiful. Thank you, Father Jesus, black and very <laughs> sweet of the juice. Hey. Um, you know <laughs> my uh, my ex-husband, my kid's dad, he is from Guerrero, Mexico. You can't get more Mexican than that. Right. And True. so I have three children. One of my daughters looks pure Mexican. Mm. If they didn't know she was black, they, wouldn't think. they didn't know I was her mom And yeah. that's the thing that bothers me They accept her because mm. she looks Mexican And they got the same mom and the same daddy yeah. But they don't accept him mm-hmm. Because he looks black yeah. People, talk to your damn kids
1: Yeah, and I think one of the oh. One of the important things One of the important factors is And I talked to you about this over the phone as well uh, Is fighting uh, And educating the folks within The Latinx community That think it's okay to use the n-word you know, Please
2: don't do that in front of me yeah. Because you will probably get hit in the mouth I'm just I'm just putting that out there point blank period I'm not your nigga I, I, I can be your homie I can be your dog I can be all that But you're not You don't have the right to say that yeah. You haven't earned the right to say that Your family hasn't been oppressed So that you can say that yeah. And for your black friends Who are being like, yeah my nigga, after you say it, mm-hmm. they should be ashamed of themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They should check their accountability. Mm-hmm. They should check who they are as a person. Yeah. Don't do that in front of me because we're gonna have a whole problem.
1: It's a good thing that you say that. You know that's because, that's sickening. Because I've I've had a conversation with folks, you know, who just that wanna that's the the hill they wanna die on, you know, to say that they're <laughs> yeah. that Go they Go ahead
2: and die come on around here and say it. <laughs> Go on ahead now.
1: Uh but it's, it's things like that that we need to call out You know, I call out anytime that I see anybody And there has been situations within Like people that have kind of been in my circle Where I hear them say it, you know Whether it being me or whether it being some of my friends That are also very aware of the oppression Of, of, of everything that comes from that word Yeah, the history of the word Yeah, the history of the word um, Like, it's not okay If you are not black, do not use the N-word And yeah. that's, that goes to everybody that's listening to, to this right now
2: And I really, like, I can't, like, I really can't understand. Like, I guess my mind trying to wrap around. Why would your friends Mm
3: -hmm.
2: who are black, why would they not correct you on that? Why would they not stop you on that?
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Now, I'm very confident in the blackness in me. yeah took me a long time to get there because, like I say, I went to school here. And there, (laughs) there wasn't a lot of black going on. You know, what I got, I had to give to myself and and go out and learn. Thank you, Jesus, that I left here and learned. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm very comfortable in who I am. I know who I am, and I know where I came from. But I'm so curious as to the friends who are allowing, the African-American men and women who are allowing people who are not African-American to look them in their face and say that. What do you feel? What are you, like, saying to your ancestors? What are you saying To your granny And your great granny Do you really think That this kid Could go sit At your grandma's house And be like What up my nigga mm. That's never gonna happen
0: Right Yeah.
2: You gotta correct it They ain't gonna correct it Cause if, if you ain't Saying nothing, It's cool with them Cause yeah. hey I have been raised with them That's my That's my No Don't do that You might have lived Next to them But you ain't Been raised with them mm-hmm. You ain't yeah. had Their experiences Now everybody's had Troubles And everybody's had Issues mm-hmm. But You ain't had that
0: issue. And I think that's, I mean, that's, even in just the Latinx community or Afro-Latinx. They hate to hear that
1: term, by the way.
0: It's it's tough. (laughs) But just to make the distinction, black people that are from Latin America that feel that same, and that's one thing that, like, just in general, we have to stop. Because it is, it's pure racism from within, even Latinos who hate their own people from their own country, whatever it may be just a long history of oppression of African-Americans or Africans in in Latin America.
2: And a lot of Afro-Latinos will literally be ready to fight you if you call them an Afro-Latino. Because, you know, being of African descent is, is not, well, to me, it's the shit. But to a lot of people, that is the lowest that you can go. Yeah. And so when I hear a Puerto Rican which I know Puerto Ricans ain't nothing but black folks mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. uh, Dominicans mm-hmm. Cubans y'all black people <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> just get that right you know even in Mexico there was a specific city in Mexico because I made a post a couple of months ago and there's literally they're black mexicans you
1: see they're black mexicans even if you look at the mexican national soccer team we have uh, two soccer players giovanni dos santos and jonathan dos santos that are brothers who Mm -hmm. are afro-mexicans
2: afro-mexican yeah people get it together i need all my uh hispanic latino Marshallese. if you are telling me that you stand with me and you rock with me i need you to go on ahead and get it together talk to your children
1: Uh, we're back with the episode we took a little break for some music and uh, we continue here with community organizer alice gachuso um mm-hmm. I, I know we talked about this a little bit but they could kind of derailed to other topics which are also important but um there was some recent killings and i say killings because they weren't just like deaths which a lot of people are just calling like deaths no it's it goes beyond that because there was a there was an action that, that took place that caused the death of the person. Oh. So I, li- I really would like to say killings. Murder. Uh, murders. I'll, I'll call it that. Yep, that's what it is. He's call been, it
2: what it is. Yeah, is. He's
1: been, he's been charged with murder at this yes.
2: point. Yes, yes.
1: Uh, so there's charged with
2: third-degree murder, I mm-hmm. think, and manslaughter.
1: And they're still waiting on if the other officers are going to be charged with anything. Um, and the people that I'm talking about, of course, uh, we have Ahmaud Arbery. We have Breonna Taylor, um, George Floyd. Among many other individuals that have been victims of police brutality, and uh, I kind of want to get your opinion on on that, um, Alice. I know it's I know it's tough. You know, there's just been so much going on, and I imagine if I feel the way I feel with with these things going on, I imagine how the uh, black community feels at this moment. Um, I feel
2: like don't nobody really care. Um. I believe that there are people who genuinely care. So let me take that statement back and backtrack that. There are people who care, but I believe that our country, our nation, is not for us. Um, I believe that as much as we have marched and sat and cried and received, like, dogs, water hoses, fire... Crosses, tar, cotton, bullets. I'm I'm so tired of people saying. I'm tired of people saying this is the greatest country in the world. Don't get me wrong. I thank you, Lord. I'm here, but I, shit that's great don't kill its own. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Like you in your house, mind your business. <laughs> You ain't out there. You ain't bothering nobody. You ain't. You in your house. You minding your business. (laughs) And you killed. Mm -hmm. You are out in your neighborhood. Actually where you live now. Not in some foreign place that nobody's never seen you and have no idea why you're here. We don't know nothing under the sun. Ooh, who is that? No. You are jogging. In a neighborhood that your mother play pays mortgage.
1: Yeah.
2: And you're shot down. Mm-hmm. You are dragged out of a car, dragged to the ground, put a knee in your neck, you crying for your mama, knowing that your my oh my Jesus. How scared does somebody gotta be to cry for your mother when your mother been dead for two years? Mm -hmm. So it's hard for me to tell my son that this is the best. There was a time when this was the best. There was a time when people genuinely, truly, honestly cared. Has never been 100% full of equality. But people cared. But now, that's not really, that's not, that's not viable. That's not seasonable. I need y'all, just stop saying it.
0: Mm.
2: (laughs) Bubba knows Kaya knows, not so much Maya, because like I said, Maya looks straight Migos. So, she, you know, her thing is, do you got your papers? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm. But Bubba and Maya and Kaya, mainly Bubba, they're the procedure. The yep. procedure is you say nothing. The procedure is you try to be invisible. Mm. Who wants to be invisible in a place that you call your home, in a place that your people built?
1: Yeah.
2: That's where we're at right now, and my I have so much anger about the whole situation that I please people miss me with the bullshit. I don't know what else to say. Miss me with the bullshit. If you ain't gonna actually try to be a dead ass part of the solution, and if you think the solution is saying, "Hey, this is a great place and everything is good and we love everybody," yeah, you on that good shit
1: and that's first of all that's really powerful what you're saying um and i feel like that needs to uh, people need to hear that so that they can wake up and do more um just because there's always room for improvement on not only how to become a better ally but how to become a better accomplice mm-hmm. you know in the in the movement uh, because a lot of the times you know people they'll sell they'll say they support by sharing stuff on social media and stuff but it goes beyond social media. It goes beyond, instead of recording someone get murdered, stop the murder. Stand
2: out there. Because yeah. that white man ain't going to shoot you. Do you hear what I'm telling you? If your name is Jenny, and you got blonde hair and blue eyes, if your name is Bob and you got red hair and freckles, I need you to understand me. If you stand in front of that black man, that police is not going to shoot you. If you want to help us, stand there. Mm-hmm.
1: Sorry. You no, you don't need a Passionate. Apologize. I'm just hey, passionate. You don't need a I
2: really need people to understand that I'm tired of y'all saying what you're going to do and how much you're here for us and you're there for us. If you stand there and you watch my people get shot. See, when uh, uh, Ahmaud got shot, right? So, the white man, ain't going to try to run around the truck. They shoot him and he is trying to avoid the problem, Yeah. okay? Um, when George got shot just here last week, all those people that were there, those were black people and they were, they were voicing their voice. But we don't have the privilege to stand in front of the police. Yeah. That's not something we could do without getting killed. Mm-hmm. That's something that we need you guys to start doing. Don't don't I don't give a damn about your videotape. The yeah. damn store got videotaped.
1: Yeah.
2: I need you to stand your ass out there and say oh, you will not shoot this man in front of me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's what we need.
1: And how do you feel um, personally right now, um, Alice, about your relationship with the with the police? <laughs> because I know I've I've heard from several members of the of the black community and it varies. There's folks that want to work with the police, there's folks that want nothing to do with the police. Um, But where is your mindset right now on this? My mindset is so torn in
2: 50 different ways. One, personally, because my brother is a police officer. Mm. My brother's a black man, police officer, uh, and he's been a police officer over 25 years. Um, And so I have to think about him. And think about how all police officers aren't bad Per se But um I don't really feel the need To try to clean up their mess
1: Mm.
2: Cause ain't nobody gotta clean your shit If you ain't got to keep making a mess Now if you keep shooting people And you keep treating people bad Then people are going to Have to keep cleaning up your mess But if you come If you become a good person And actually show that you care about everybody in your community and be there and stop trying to be the cop of the world and maybe be a friend to some of these people um, you would realize first of all they're not that bad Um, Mm -hmm. and then there would be no reason for anybody to clean your shit up yeah you know so my thing is it's hard to trust them it's hard to believe them Unless I know you personally, unless I've had a personal conversation with you, yeah. right now you can just miss me with all that shit. I don't want shit to say to you. If a police officer will to pull me over right now, I'm giving him a crack of my window, the slight of the driver's license, mm-hmm. registration, insurance, and my window's going back up. You have stopped me. I've given you everything that you asked for. We don't need any more dialect. And that's what he's getting. Mm. Because... I don't trust the fact that you call me out of my car if I reach for my door, which yeah. happens to be right here. Yeah. You may think, you know, y'all favorite thing to claim is, well, I thought I had a gun. Mm-hmm. I got three kids to get home to. Yeah. You get what you asked for and not shit else. And mm-hmm.
1: that's, that's very understandable, you know, because, I mean, there's been situations where folks have been stopped and uh, they've been asked to present their ID. They reach over, try to get their ID, end up getting shot. Orlando Castro. Yes. So I completely understand where you come from on that, and I appreciate you. Not only did he
2: get shot, he got, like, brutally murdered Mm -hmm. in front of his fiance and his three-year-old child.
1: Yeah.
2: Hell no, I ain't getting out of my car. Not at all.
0: And that's why I I think the charge to... I think Roger Chauvin was his name, the, yeah. the officer it, yeah. that that murdered uh, George Floyd. I think that the the murder case is so important because how many times have people gotten a case, but then not, or gotten charged, but then they get let go, they don't get found guilty. So that's this is where you're gonna see like you need a change in the system. The mm-hmm. whole system's broken because it protects the people, people to be able to do I mean not just officers even in Amar Arbery's case yeah I mean it's other people yeah. it, it protects other people so you need to start changing these laws yeah. changing the protections that races have in place so that they can just do whatever they want definitely just hurt other people um, and I really hope that's I mean there needs to be a guilty charge here. I mean,
1: I, Dude, yeah. Definitely, and, and
0: without a doubt. How do you, and how do you not
1: have a... I mean, we all have seen the video, you know? And he you got charged with a third-degree murder, right? And it's like, that should mm-hmm. be first-degree. Yeah, I, mean, I think
2: it should be first-degree. What other evidence um, do you need?
1: It's on video. You yeah,
2: know? Um, but according to...
1: The law? The law. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and like I say, my brother is an officer, so we actually have dialects. You know, we talk about a lot of things. Yeah. And according to him... Uh, He shouldn't have had his knee on there that long But it was a good move And there was nothing wrong with that move And Hey, he might have If he hadn't have been so full of all that liquor Mm -hmm. Then maybe he would have had it Okay, so this is the thing I need y'all to understand I don't give a damn If they're smoking crack I don't care if they're smoking crystal, weed Mm -hmm. If they drank 12 pints of liquor a day Hear me when I tell you They still fucking people we are still people. We wake up and want the best for our children just like every damn body else. Mm-hmm. You don't get to kill my brother, mm-hmm. my daddy, my son, my mama. You don't get to do that shit and then say, well, hey, had he not been drinking, mm-hmm. that's not going to work anymore. And, and also, people need to understand that this ain't the 1940s, 50s, 60s. This ain't the damn 1980s, mm-hmm. all that shit that y'all did back then. Yeah, try that shit now.
1: And even even uh, people like former UFC champion uh, John Jones made a statement saying that that uh, I mean he you know he fights people for a living, mm-hmm. he chokes people out for mm-hmm. a living, and even he said that like that was completely wrong of someone to put their knee that, that was definitely going to cause someone to faint or possibly die
0: yeah for
1: having their knee so long on someone's throat
0: and you and you see that move a lot you i mean the the knee on the back of the head or back of the shoulders mm-hmm. i mean it's I, it's it you see it in video a ton
1: a he ton was saying i can't breathe yeah at that point when someone's saying i can't breathe you would think that you'd stop and uh get him away from that to avoid someone getting hurt or in this case die but the man kept his knee on George which eventually led to his death um, and um, I don't know sometimes I, I just can't come up with the words for like the anger that I feel or even try to translate what I what I feel from the black community of the anger that they feel yeah. that you feel um, so I appreciate you uh, being here but one thing that I want to talk about Alex before we get off is just we were talking about something personal that's been happening with you um, here in Springdale And uh, if you, I don't want to put any words in your mouth, so if you want to go ahead and just talk about um, your current situation here in Springdale.
2: Yes, I am going to uh, talk about my current situation. First, I need everybody, anybody that is listening, I need you guys to truly understand that I love Springdale. I have loved Springdale for a very long time. I can't say that when I first came here, I loved Springdale because I did not. I couldn't understand why my parents brought us here. I couldn't understand why they would just sit here and let us go through the things that we went through when we were alone. See, it's different when you're going through something, when you got somebody that can be there with you. You got somebody to talk to. You got somebody that understands where you're coming from. You understand what I'm saying? They left us here. We were alone. We didn't have nobody. And so a lot of people need to understand that 20-something years later, my kids are going through the same thing that I went through. And some people think that, you know, like, it's no different here from Atlanta or from Texas, you know, or Little Rock. Because we, we, we're in America. We are definitely going to have oppression anywhere that we go
1: yeah.
2: for the simple fact that we are in America. And we are black. Um, However, I refuse, regardless as to how much I love Springdale, I refuse to allow my kids to live here, give all they can as kids, be emotionally drained, be okay with it and know that in 15 or 20 years, some of the things that happened here may and probably will still be with them. How, why do I say that? Because I'm 40 years old, over 40, and I still deal with some of the things that I went through here as a kid. Now... I don't want nobody think it in case you guys haven't figured out I am leaving Northwest Arkansas. I am taking my kids somewhere where they feel loved, where they feel appreciated, where they're not just a token. Mm-hmm. Um when your children come to you, and I want every parent who is listening, like put all your feelings aside. Think as a parent now. Don't think as a a politician. Don't think as a school teacher. Don't think as a, a, a police officer or a nurse. Don't think of none of that shit. Think of being a parent. How would you be comfortable knowing that your child is hurting? And if your child comes to you, because this is the conversation that I received from my son, mom do i love spring do you love springdale more than you love us what you mean you make us stay here you know what they do to us do you love springdale more than you love us some people don't understand that, but because I was forced to stay here and I have things that I am dealing with because I was forced to stay here I'd be damned if I allow my children for not five seconds will they think that I love the city of Springdale more than I love them no in 20 years Javier will not have to go to counseling because of things that happened to him here in Springdale and if I if. The people who say they love me and the people who say they love my children and the people who say that they stand behind us if you guys cannot understand that i am doing this for my children i don't know what to tell you but my kids will now and forever come before springdale and yeah it hurt and yeah i cried and i cried and i cried, and I cried because i love this place but there are three people that i love more
0: mm.
2: and i refuse to watch them Mentally, like I know because I've been there and they're receiving the same treatment just from the brown folks. He ain't Mexican enough because his mama's black. She's not black because she looks Mexican. I'm not, and, and, and people might think I'm wrong, but as a parent, when my kid tells me, well, I believe that you love this place more than you love us because you allowed this to happen and you don't try to stop it, it's time for me to go. I love Springdale, but I can't do it no more. My
1: kids come first. And while while we, you know, selfishly uh, hate that you will be leaving, Alice, um, we really appreciate you as an individual, everything you've done, you've done, and that you will continue to do. Because I know you've told me that you will continue to organize the Martin Luther King Parade every year, like you have. Yes, me and my kids, because that the, that parade is for.
2: It is to celebrate the legacy of Dr. King. And the beautiful thing about Springdale is this is the place where his legacy lives. Mm-hmm. Like more yeah. than almost any damn other place in northwest Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, yeah, we're coming back. We will leave Martin Luther King Day. Thank you, Jesus. Falls on Monday. Every year it falls on a Monday. Mm-hmm. So I know that I can leave on that Friday from wherever I'm at. We will come, we will have a family day on that Saturday, Sunday will be rest day, Monday is the parade, and Tuesday we leave. But I cannot, um, with good consciousness, accept or ask my children to go through this shit anymore.
0: Yeah.
2: Can't do it. I promise them that if they held on, because I need y'all to understand this ain't like something that just popped up last week or popped up a couple of months ago. No, my kids been begging to get the hell out of here for three years now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And I promised them that if they held on until the oldest one got out of school, because I didn't want to bounce them back and forth. She's in high school, you don't, you know. Yeah. Um, and Bubba reminded me of that. And that's when he asked me, do I love y'all more than I love him? And hell no, I don't. Mm. I love y'all, but I damn sure don't love you more than I love my kids.
1: Yeah, and, and if, I mean, no,
2: If the people don't
1: understand that, then you need to question what you would do for your kids. And even even if people don't understand it, Alice, I mean, we know that you're doing the right thing. At the end of the day, it's going to pay off. Your children are going to see that you made the decision for them, and it's going to help them. Because, like you said, uh, like we were talking about off-air a little bit, uh, you can uh, push forward through it, you know. But at the end of the day, the mental toll that that takes on you uh, can affect you, can affect your family for future generations because mental illnesses and mental health damage i feel it does go down in generations and people some it sometimes it skips a generation but it does affect people you know your children your grandchildren um just because of that distress that you go through um, so we know that you're doing everything for the right reasons. Just know that we appreciate you, not only as the podcast, but as as community members, as community leaders. We appreciate everything you've done and everything that you will continue to do. And uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to be here with us this week.
2: And I appreciate you guys. Without a doubt, you know, I love I love y'all. You know, it's sad. Like, this is super sad to me. Like, it really is because I do love this place. Mm-hmm. Like, I give my all to this place. And so it does hurt. And it hurts bad, you know. Um, I'm afraid. Yeah. Like, I, I, like if I'm going to be honest, I'm afraid. I'm afraid because this is my home and I'm comfortable and it's safe. But my kids' men- mental stability mm-hmm. and their happiness has to outweigh my fear.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And so... Um, Y'all, my mom and daddy are hearing this same time that y'all are hearing this like, this is not something I've shared with anybody because it's so hard I sat in my house and cried before I came in because I could Like I'm literally like freaking out because I'm mm-hmm. about to say this because there's nothing like feeling like you're letting someone down mm-hmm. in order to keep someone up mm-hmm. and if you keep this person up you're letting this person down
1: yeah.
2: and I'm so hurt because my community has put me in that position, yeah. and
1: that's not fair. Yeah. Y'all put me in this. Well, just know that you're not you're not letting us down, Alice. You know we we completely understand why you're making that sacrifice, and um, hopefully one day uh, things get better and you're able to come back. Mm-hmm. You know uh, we will welcome you with open arms, and uh, we appreciate you being brave to say this on the air and on this podcast. Uh, because I know it's tough. You it's know? really
2: like I'm sitting here crying. Like,
1: but just know that you I'm have Hot, energy. trying to
2: pull off my wig. Like,
1: I'm, <laughs> you know,
2: these are real emotion, bro. Yeah.
0: You know. But we need real change. I mean, it's it's just you know. I need mean, my community, me. y'all. You've been. Here. I You've love been y'all, here. and this is yeah. the
2: thing. I need you guys to understand that the community. We're not a perfect community. No community is perfect. Mm-hmm. But I actually love this community. Right. Mm. And because my kids, and this is the thing, I ain't worried about what y'all say to me or y'all do to me. I don't give a like on yeah. some real shit. Kid I'll cuss you out and keep fucking moving. Yeah. You know. But my kids? Yeah. Nah. Yeah. That's a that's that, that's off. That's off limits. <laughs>
1: I wanted to introduce our second guest who I've known for quite a few years now um, he is a black lives matter activist and he's a community organizer as well um, DeAndre Jones thank you for joining us here today
3: Thank you gentlemen for having me on today and uh it's very it is hot it's uh yeah. but but <laughs> uh, you know we've been experiencing in in our country we it's it's been crazy so I think for, for me, the heat has been a distraction because what's going on around us has been more overwhelming. Yeah. So um, anything but what we're experiencing right now as it relates to um, the racism in our country is, is welcoming. Yeah. And I think it's de- important to just go ahead and dive in. Um, mm-hmm. We were speaking
1: with Alice before yes. you got here yes. about the same thing, um, you know, about the recent murders yes. of... Uh, Ahmad Aubrey, uh, Breonna Taylor, uh, George Floyd, and there's obviously been countless others yes. that sometimes it's kind of hard to remember everybody's name, but we should remember everybody's name and say it out loud yeah. because their memory of of their life is important, and we have to continue um, organizing and uh, making sure that their death wasn't in vain. Right. Um, and I don't know. How, I don't know if you feel. Have you feel the same way, DeAndre? But do you feel that shift that just happened with after the death of George Floyd? I feel like there's been some sort of change not entirely the change that we want to, but I kind of feel like some people's mentalities might have changed a little bit. there might have been some changes of heart um, and that's what I see but I definitely oh, want to yeah. feel I want to hear what what you feel real quick I
0: why do you feel why do you feel that what what have you seen that's different right now
1: so I guess I want to start by saying that it's not where it, the movement is not where it needs to be. The people's hearts as a whole are not where they need to be, so we definitely haven't reached where we want to be but I've seen uh, there's some police officers that have yeah called out other police officers. there's been people who have normally been silent on social media about anything political and have posted about this and have either contributed to the Minnesota Bell Fund have tried to contribute to the local Bell Project Fund Mm -hmm. so folks have been doing more than what we've seen in other situations Mm -hmm. on other uh, deaths of African Americans in our country Um, so that's kind of what I mean like there's been more of like uh, but I definitely want to know what what you feel because it's a whole different
3: viewpoint well uh, yes I do feel and um, I'm experiencing the shift in the work as an organizer and as an activist. And one of the things that as an African-American and as an activist, for years we have been saying, we've been, um, we've been preaching the message, we've been uh, singing the song and, of racial oppression and that how dangerous it is for black people to live in the United States. And I do believe that what is recently the most recent lynching. Mm -hmm. I believe that that is changing the trajectory of how people think about racism. And I'm noticing that because white people we've been asking this, we've been saying this for years that racism is not a black problem. It's not a Brown problem. It's a white problem. Mm. And so when we make that statement, white people I've noticed in the past, White people ha- experienced fragility around that topic mm. and I'm noticing that it's less fragility and it's more now take a responsibility mm. and so fragility does not absolve you of your of your privilege and how your how for the, since 1619 the United States they've perpetrated racism and oppression, and you are benefiting from that. So because you are experiencing fragility and you are uncomfortable and you can't share that experience because it's not yours, that many times in the conversation, black people feel that we are shut down Mm -hmm. because of those emotions. So now I'm beginning to notice here recently, here this past week, white people are becoming more open that racism, open to the fact that racism is their problem Mm -hmm. and it's they have to fix it because you can't fix it and I can't fix it because we didn't create it Mm -hmm. and we know that we define racism as uh, prejudice discrimination or antagonism directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior and me being an african-american man and and of course you guys being Hispanic that's we that that definition that's that that definition doesn't apply to us and so when we think of racism of course it's in it's an issue that white people have perpetrated and they continue to do so. But I'm, I'm very thankful here locally that white people are beginning to accept ownership and now asking, what can I do? Yeah. Hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, that that's one big change and I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, I think it's the first time I've seen cops come out and say, that's not the way you're supposed to handle a situation. Yeah. The police officers saying from other States, you know, commenting like I would have called that out. I would have, I would have had an issue with this. And that's really what you, what you need. And the same thing with white people, you need the white people. You need people of different cultures to be able to come together and say something about it. And it's, I have been, at least, I've, I've been, I don't know what the word is, because I'm not happy about it, because obviously I'm not happy that this is going on, mm-hmm. but I appreciate it, right? I, I at least appreciate the way that people are making an effort, and especially people that want to just educate themselves on, on what's going on, ask more questions, have some kind of a discussion about it, right?
1: yeah and i think you've been doing uh some like uh webinars or hosting it or i'm not sure if you've been running them or or hosting them about Uh, wife agility right Mm -hmm. can you talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about
3: that yes Um, we've uh i've partnered with patty williams uh solomon birtsfield and a Mm -hmm. group of other individuals and we've been continuing to educate because we believe that education and it brings empathy it brings awareness and so i think that's the first that's the the exposing people to uh, giving them education, providing them with education. I think that that's one of the first, in, the, in, in many ways, the most effective things that we can do. So we have been doing that. We've been continuing the conversations. And so that has proven to be successful. And what we've also been doing is reaching outside of Fayetteville, reaching outside of Northwest Arkansas, and we've been working with individuals from, from throughout this from around the state. We had the first the, the very first series took place, of course, back in late April with the coronavirus, because we know that the, the in the African-American community and the Latino community, COVID-19 is hitting us differently. Mm-hmm. And that's, of course, because of the health disparities. And so what COVID-19 did, COVID-19 was able to shine the light on our country's racist problem. Mm-hmm. And so we had the opportunity to speak with the group of African-American uh, mental uh, African-American uh, health care providers and our state representative, Denise Gardner, to uh, kind of talk about COVID-19 as it relates to the emotional, the uh, economic impact, and also speaking to Dr. Obi, who is African-American, having the conversation of uh, helping or bringing awareness to the community on what how the disease how to prevent and bringing awareness on the depths of how real it is in our community. And so that was the first one. And then of course, the last one, and the most recent one was white fragility.
1: Um, what do you think uh, the relationship is going forward within um, with the black community and, uh, and police? What is your, cause I know there's different, there's different perspectives on that, and I've heard different perspectives from the African American community, the black community. You know, there's folks that uh, don't trust police, uh, there's folks that do want to work with police, and there's folks that are in a gray area where they
3: don't know what to do right now. Right. Well, overall, I will say this, and of course, I can't speak on every African American, but what but, but I can say is based on my experience, I serve on the Fayetteville Civil Service Commission, and our role is part of our role is to hire and promote police officers and if there are any disciplinary uh, procedures that need to take place, we're also uh, advising in that um, direction as well. So I'm looking at it from a different lens in some cases. I am a Black Lives, Black Lives Matter activist serving on this commission, which is probably one of the most uh, powerful commissions in our city. However, in order to address racism, having, a, having a, a person of color at the table to help make these important decisions is very necessary. So I'm seeing it from a lens of working with the Fayetteville Police Department, uh, ushering in, helping them usher in and understand diversity, inclusion, but not just diversity and inclusion, but equity, and creating awareness by community policing and, by community policing and things of that nature, so that's good. Mm-hmm. But looking at it from a regular citizen, the lack, the lack of trust, the mm-hmm. lack of trust. I mean, we can talk all day about um, how it, how our intentions are and that and what our goal is, but what are we actually doing? Considering what is happening in many other states and cities as it relates to per- police brutality among African Americans, so. In Fayetteville, we have some great things in place. Uh, I will say that the past ten months, uh, the last ten months, we have seen a a significant decrease in marijuana arrest for African Americans, and I'm very thankful for that because we know that uh, African Americans do not do don't smoke marijuana any less than any other group or mm, yeah. any more, rather. And so, we were very glad that that, that those numbers have decreased, and that. And I think a lot of that is based upon the relationship with our police department and the African-American Advisory Council, where where I serve as chair, and also the city council's input. As the working with the advisory council, one of our goals is to kind of have a good working relationship with the police department, kind of like an accountability partner, if you will. So I'm looking at it from that lens as well. But again, 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 I had a conversation with someone today and I like to have real talks because in order for me to serve in my role as an activist, I have to speak the truth. And black people, based on the conversation today and other conversations in the community, black people in Fayetteville are still, and in Northwest Arkansas, overall, lack of trust and fear, lack of trust and fear. So that continues. So we have a lot of work to do in that area but I'm very glad that in Fayetteville, our chief is very open. However, we cannot, we, the, the intention, we have to make sure that even though we have good intentions, let's, let's look at the impact. So mm-hmm. black folks were scared and rightfully so. I yeah. mean, you know, nobody's going to ask you, when, when I drive down the drive, when I leave going to Fayetteville or coming to Springdale, Nobody's concerned about, oh, DeAndre, you're on this Civil Service Commission. Honestly, what they see is a black man. Mm-hmm. Nothing else matters. In many And, and we've, this is nothing that I'm, I'm just coming up with. We see this. It doesn't matter. The, the, the challenge is the issue is being black. Mm-hmm. And so that invokes fear. And I have parents calling me in Fayetteville, you know, my black child will stop by the police. I'm scared. The first thing that they say, I'm scared. He was scared. I'm scared. Yeah. Rightfully so. So, and when white people say, well, you have no right to be scared. I can, I clearly understand why you say that because your son's life is not in jeopardy. When white people are uncomfortable or made angry, that's. Totally different than their lives being put on the line because of the color of their skin. Mm. It's just that deep. It's just that deep. So we're continuing to have those conversations, and we do believe that it's making somewhat of an impact. Change is slow, but change, and it's gradual, but it's it's good, and it's what we need. So we hear anytime that folks say Black Lives Matter,
1: we a lot of the times hear the rebuttal All Lives Matter, right? Uh, I know what I think when I see that. I think, you know, these people don't understand. um, You know, all lives matter won't matter until uh, uh, the uh, the all lives matter statement won't be true until we get black lives to matter first. Right. Um, I kind of want to hear a little bit about your sentiments about like what you think about when you hear that phrase, all lives matter.
3: Well, when I hear the phrase, all lives matter. And to your point, every time, every time someone has said black lives matter, I hear that. And okay, I understand that in theory, yes, this is true. However, in reality, it's not. Mm-hmm. Because let's think about it. If black lives mattered as much as white lives, Trayvon Martin would have made it home. Mm-hmm. George Floyd would still be breathing. Ahmaud Arbery would have finished his job. And Brianna Taylor would still be among us working her job as a medical technician. If black lives matter more than white lives, there would be less health disparities and COVID-19 related deaths
0: that's it it's yeah it's not equal you can't say all lives matter because you have these disparities and that's I mean just look anywhere I mean it and the one thing that gets me is that it's yeah it is very deep and embedded and and so how do you start changing these things how do you I I, and I love what Fayetteville has done with your uh, civil commission because you know that's where you start influencing the, the the places that impact minorities very quickly. And police, do you guys have a say in, in, in who gets hired and yes. in, in, in the future of, of that?
3: On the police civil service? Yes, yes. Uh, with the Civil Service Commission, we receive inter, uh, we receive several um, uh, applicants, and there's a vetting process, of course, that begins with the police chief at the department and the test, and then there's the interview with us. So we interview probably 40 from sometimes 50 applicants, and we have a say. And one of the questions that we ask every time. We ask the question centered around diversity and inclusion. Because Fayetteville is, that's, thats you know, we pride ourselves on that. And so we want to make sure that we're hiring officers who understand and who are committed to um, diversity, inclusion, and above all things, equity. And so that's one of our, that's a focus. I mean, that is yeah. something that we pride ourselves on. And so we uh, we're really, really, really trying to make sure that we get the best officers we can be. And some people are saying, you know, DeAndre, we need black officers. Well, that's true, that's true, that's true. But what we need, we need white officers to not be racist. That's what we need. Yeah. Because we don't have all day to wait on black people to apply to become police officers. I mean, we don't have time for that, but what we do have time for, we have time and energy. We have have the energy, we have the resources, and we have the time to provide training and to provide whatever we need to provide to make sure that white officers are not uh, exhibiting or showing racist behavior among the African American and other minority communities. And so, we we understand that there's a focus that we we we, we believe and we know that we have to get black officers in because uh, we have we have a black population and when a a young black boy or a young white girl sees a black officer, you know, that that's, that's a positive light. However, there are so many reasons why black people aren't becoming police officers. So what do we do? Can't sit back and wait on that. We have to be intentional and deliberate in making sure that the white officers serving have the necessarily the necessary training and the skills to uh, pr- promote uh, equity in the way that Fayetteville wants to.
1: So I don't know too much about this. You definitely might know more about it than, than I do. Um, in the Fayetteville Police Department, is there an emphasis on uh, de-escalating uh, situations yes. from getting to the point where other uh, states have gone to in regards to like you know, the, the murders of, of, uh, of these fine people, George Floyd,
3: Breonna Taylor? Um, can you talk a little bit about that if you do know? I know a little bit about it. I do know that the police department's commitment to providing mental health awareness and training, I do believe that that is a part of that. And I'm very, I'm very, it's very good to know that our chief is very progressive and forward-thinking and our mayor, of course, and so wanting to make sure that Fayetteville officers are up to date on the most effective, on the most current and effective trainings. And I believe that that would be part of that. So the commission that you're a part of would you say is the most important commission in regards to holding them accountable? Absolutely, because if anything were to happen, then they'll, we, we, we definitely have a, a decision in the, who's hired and then who's promoted and who's disciplined. And unfortunately, who's fired So It's very important because we are protecting the community. We, mm-hmm. are, we are a group of individuals who we, our responsibility is to protect the community and that's what that's what I'm going. That's what I've done, and that's what I hope to continue to do. There's just so much distrust right now. Yes. Um, I know. For
1: example, I know you touched on the mayor. There's right now with with the immigrant community. There's yes. a lot of distrust with with Mayor Jordan just because of the whole mm-hmm. Alan Rodriguez situation that happened in Fayetteville that uh, we haven't fully recovered from yet. Mm-hmm. To be honest, right. Um, so that's still in our heads and hearts. Um, but um, I do. I am the kind of person that. Um, likes to listen to other people in regards to like what they're doing to make the situation better mm-hmm. instead of just kind of staying uh, angry, mm-hmm. upset. Um, but I feel like everyone's feelings, you know, if people feel upset, if people feel that distrust, everything is valid. Every sentiment is valid. If people do not trust the police, their sentiment is valid, you know, and I think that's one of the things that uh, is important to discuss. Absolutely.
3: When we think about, I'm a behavioral health health professional, one of the things that we see when people are anxious, when people experience trauma, what Alice described right before she left, then you will, certain behaviors manifest. And everyone has a right to feel the way that they feel based on their experiences. And Mm -hmm. so one of the things that we have to do, people are, thinking about what just happened in Minnesota. Well, you know, the looting is bad. Yes, but let's focus on the antecedent. What caused this? We can't talk about, I feel like in many cases we're spending so much time talking about the looting as opposed to the racist lynching that was committed, which Mm -hmm. caused that. And so we're gonna continue to have that conversation, at least in Fayetteville. That conversation is what we are discussing. We're discussing more of the behavior. I mean, what happened the looting and that those things are fine those companies will recover i mean it's bad and i'm not minimizing what they're experiencing as a company and those employees that they have you know their 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 things in place to help them but what about the number of african-american people who are living in fear Mm -hmm. and the the gentleman who just i mean who just died i mean his family so We have to focus on the behavior because if we focused on the behavior and provided the resources that's needed and had compassion and uh, we were able to have more empathy, we wouldn't see riots like that. I guarantee you won't. Mm -hmm. I don't think those people just rioted for nothing. They had a reason. They they had a reason and we have to focus more on the reason opposed to the retaliation. So to your point, the communities who are impacted by distress you have every right to feel to if it's lack of trust you have every right to feel that and that trust has to be regained mm-hmm. so you're right you're absolutely right and we have to make sure that what you're saying we hear that not only do we hear it it may make us not feel good we may not like it but we've got to listen and do something about it yeah, we've got I agree. to agree and we'll be right back after this quick
1: break we leave you with some music marvin Gaye. what's going on Alison Marvin Gaye, what's going on? Classic. And what's going on? We're back. We're back, that's what's going on. Yeah. And uh we're back with uh community organizer uh slash Black Lives Matter activist DeAndre Jones. Um Off the air, DeAndre, we spoke with Alice before she left the studio, and uh, she kind of broke the news to you that Mm -hmm. she's thinking of moving from Springdale. Um, She doesn't know where she's going to yet, but um, her kids have experienced uh, extreme racism in the public schools that they are attending here in Springdale, and... uh, she wants to leave not for herself she loves this place I mean she's given so much she she organized the Martin Luther King parade for the past three years and she put so much into that and everything else she shows up for us and our events but she's decided to leave for her children you know for the betterment of their mental health um, because she's been through so much specifically when she was going to high school here she experienced racism um, and she doesn't want the same for her children and selfishly you know like I don't want her to leave she contributes so much I love her as a person and and I consider her a very close friend, but um, she's making the decision to leave. I know this is fresh news to you, but um, can you provide any kind of, uh, I guess, feedback as to what you feel right now after hearing Alice say that? Um, Racial
3: trauma, how real it is. Mm -hmm. And Alice wanting to do everything to protect her children. And I really appreciate that you guys allowing her the opportunity to speak from her heart and not censoring her, because African Americans, we've been censored forever. We've been censored, and so when we, when, when when we're able to speak truth to power and having that opportunity to do that, that means so much. Um, I'm devastated. I didn't. I mean, I'm not surprised at what she said. I'm, su- I'm, I'm surprised that it's it's leading her, it's leading her to move. And I think that we have a responsibility. We, we as a community, even though it's issues with younger kids and at school, we, it's our responsibility to educate because we know that so far our public school system has done nothing to educate any of our children about diversity or race. Mm-hmm. So we have to do it. So this is an opportunity for myself and I'm sure you guys as well, the entire community, to let's look at educating and bringing awareness on race. This country has done such, has had a war on drugs. We talk about the war on drugs. We talk about the war on poverty. But we have never had a discussion on the war on racism that needs to happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because it's not enough to not be racist. You have to be anti-racist. You have to stop racism. And when you talk about racism, you look at the effects, not just mentally, but, like, in in black communities that have lived through generations and generations yeah. of racism that the health risks mm-hmm. the higher higher uh rates of cancer mm-hmm. you have just things that are debilitating to the body because of how so it's 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 an epidemic for us you know and, and it,
1: uh, in, in black and in other communities as well you know rate like trauma like gets inherited through generations right you know so some trauma that your like grandfather might have experienced like the grandchildren have that carry that still genetic and uh and it affects for future generations to come um i wanted to touch on on what's been going on the past few weeks um you know we had the lynching of uh ahmaud aubrey brianna taylor george floyd and i keep on reiterating this but um it hasn't just been going on for weeks it's been going on for months for years and for even decades um and for even, even longer than decades, centuries. Right. 1619. Yes. And um, I just kind of want to know where your thoughts are right now. Um, I know the way that I took it. And even though it was hurtful and horrible, just just seeing uh, my black brothers and sisters hurt um, and us being hurt for you all, I know and I
3: can't even imagine what you all feel. Well, when I heard the news, I said, okay, again. I mean, there, I wasn't shocked, disappoint I, I was angry, disappointed and anger, but I'm not, I'm not surprised. Every day I wake up, who's it gonna be today? Yeah. And, that, and you talk about traumatic, that's no way to live. That's no way to live. And so we've got to fix this problem. We've, we have to fix this problem because black people are beginning to feel black people that I speak with. I, I did a session today, black female feeling hopeless. And every I turn, term, you know, black people, we just want to live. That's all we want. We just want to live. We want to be able to drive from Fayetteville to Springdale. And if we're stopped by an officer, we want to go home with to our families or jobs or wherever. Every time a police officer gets behind a person of color that I know of, every person told me, oh my god, I'm so scared. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so. So again, you mentioned trauma. We relive that. We relive that. We, many times, being oppressed, you experience feelings of hopelessness. And you, it's hard to function on your job, it's hard to function in school, and it's hard to function in the community. And so what this death has done, and I think that's part of the outrage. I think people are tired and fed up of living in fear and experiencing hopelessness. Mm. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing uh, as it relates to the retaliation of what's described as looting and and the destruction of property. Mm. And it's hurtful. And every day, like I'm thinking tomorrow's Monday, who is it today? Is it going to be somebody in Ohio or will it be someone in Springdale, Bentonville, Rogers or Fayetteville?
1: And I think one also, um, one of the things I wanted to t- touch about is the current portrayal by some folks of who Martin Luther King was, because they've been using a lot of his quotes and a lot of his actions, you know, and, and translating them, interpreting them in their own, like, mm-hmm. their own way. Um, There is folks, you know, that that share memes that say, you know, this Martin Luther King did a peaceful protest. And and then in the bottom they show, like, people looting, saying, like, this is not how it should be done. Uh, But I'm not sure if those people forgot, but Martin Luther King got murdered while peacefully protesting. They called Martin Luther King a terrorist, right? Yeah. And, uh, like, I don't know what it takes uh, for us to educate those people what do we do, what do you think we do in regards to, like, the people that are sharing those memes and have that mentality of of the way that it's being done right now by the looting, by the protesting that it's the wrong way how do we educate those people and show them that these people um, are not doing this simply because they just want to cause damage, there's been damage done to them as individuals for, for decades, for centuries and uh, so much high levels of oppression that folks that don't feel that oppression will never understand and it's because of those uh levels of oppression that cause us to just you know like not go crazy but not be able to fully um not be able to to uh contain our emotions and Mm -hmm. do what we need to do now to make sure that no more deaths occur, no more lynchings occur. And I think that's kind of where we're at right now, where we're just like, if peaceful protesting hasn't worked, like, what else do we need to do? And and we're seeing what we're seeing now because of that, because we've gotten to that point. We're tired of seeing our friends uh, killed. You know, we're tired of of uh, police getting away with murder. Um, and, and that's where we're
3: at right now, and I don't think people want to go back to what, how things have been. We're tired of being a hashtag, and... You reference Dr. King and how people are, um, how they're celebrating his peaceful protest. But on the same token, you you celebrate Dr. King. We celebrate Dr. King. I celebrate Dr. King. But you demonize Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. So we have an issue with hypocrisy. So, but 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 to your point, I think one of the things that we have to do, and that's part of my call to action, white people are going. To, and I mentioned this earlier, and I've been saying this all week, it's a proximity issue in many cases. And so I teach classes, and you mentioned earlier about a lot of, about the, the community, uh, the zoom meetings and things like that that we've, that we've done. And that's a limited crowd. That's a crowd of people who want to, who are intentional and deliberate on, on becoming more knowledgeable and gaining awareness. Yeah. And it's intended for white people so. But we're asking those individuals who are attending to go tell other white people in your family, your co-workers, and your friends who are not as uh, open-minded. Because racism, again, I keep saying this, it's not a black problem, it's not a brown problem, it's a white problem. And so white people have a responsibility. And so they ask me, um, what can I do? Well, these are some of the things that I've shared. Uh, Support on the ground activists and local organizations organizations that are geared toward um, fighting injustice, the NAACP, the Urban League, uh, the MLK uh, Council here in Northwest Arkansas. And one of the things that I'm noticing, we need white people to help when it's not an emergency. Everyone wants to help when tragedy happens and we, we appreciate that, but black folks need equal access to housing, food, medical care, and education. They are very critical. And we need white folks to educate themselves. Now I don't mind sharing, I always say this, I will share and teach. If this means that we will interrupt racism and prevent lynchings, I'll do it. But white people have to educate themselves. Reading, watching documents, and joining anti-racial educational programs is essential. So many resources out there.
1: There's no excuse. You can literally right. just Google. Right, right, you know, it's, right, right. It's right. like, do you want to do it? Right, right, it's, right, right, right. Which back then, I guess, let's say, like, for example, like mid-90s, okay, maybe you didn't have the resources. Now you have Google, you have YouTube, you have so many ways. You could even you could even go to TikTok and probably
3: find something right. that has good content on it that would that would educate. So there's no excuse. There's absolutely no excuse. And we're also, and this is one of the things that I say in Irvine. I ran for, for city council in 2014, and I've done a continued push on building Black political power because we referenced earlier, it's very important that we have diversity, we have representation at the, at the table, and so we're needing white people to call representatives, to vote, making sure that uh, that they're voting for individuals and supporting candidates who are who believe that Black lives matter, like we, because most of uh, many. A lot of this is policy-based, and it's it's, and that is what uh, the source of these laws, you know, stand your ground and things like that. So these things are policies, and those policies are created, but they can change. But we've got to have the right people there who believe Black Lives Matter. We have to have representatives who believe, not only believe it and say it, but support it. And um, we also just need people to talk to other community members. Um, we have... Uh, an online group. And it's called, uh, it's one that I'm, I, I kind of started and it's, it's, it's for white people who want to uh, show up for racial equity and who want to interrupt or dismantle white supremacy. And what we say is we need you to stand up, speak out and just say racism stops with me. We need allies to engage in self-responsibility, to stand up, speak out and say that racism stops with me. We need allies to uh, take a self, to reflect individually and undertake the emotional sweat equity necessary to dismantle white supremacy, a system that they continually benefit from.
1: Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think that's, that's so strong because it is, I mean, it's people that haven't been oppressed that don't want to take the time to learn about these things and talk about these things because they say racism isn't a problem for them. Um, But unless you change that, because that shouldn't be your story, that can't be your narrative. Right. Um,
3: And it shouldn't be, Alice shouldn't have to leave Springdale because of that. Right, yeah. I shouldn't have to have high blood pressure, or black people shouldn't have to um, face, uh, every, every time they get behind, every time a police officer they, they they see an officer, they shouldn't feel, they shouldn't become anxious and feel hopeless. We don't have to live this way. And so the responsibility, the burden is on white people.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
3: Latinos, African Americans, other groups, we have, we've done everything that we know how to do. Mm-hmm. People say, well, Barack Obama. Barack Obama was the president and I, I those were i believe those were the best 8 years in our country and some people may 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 disagree and that's fine but for me being an african american man especially how black men have been treated since 1619 and so Barack Obama was well educated i mean white america has told us that this these are the keys to success he was successful based on their terms yet he was probably one of the most dishonored presidents in all in the history of our country. So even with him being as successful and as, you know, well spoken and all the things that we're told in America to be successful that 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 gauges success, he was mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So we think about him and how he was dishonored and and how they how he was treated. What can I do? Yeah. I mean, what what more? What else can black people do? I mean, what else is there to do? And I want to pose this question to racist people. I want them to re- just the why. Mm-hmm. Why? I weave images. I think denial is it, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of it is taught. But why continue that? We all see images of where. This is not true. All black people are not thugs. All black people are not criminals. Why do we continue this? Why do we continue this? And so you wouldn't know, I don't know, but they know. And so this is a question that I'm calling on our white allies to dig into, because I think that that perspective is going to help us uh, interrupt racism. And any other final message you want to
1: leave for the people listening today, DeAndre, just about like maybe anything else that you would like community members, allies to do, or any other final statement you just want to let people know of like how
3: you feel at this moment? Oh, thank you so much, Urban. I feel um, I've had mixed emotions. Again, disappointed, angry, tired, uh, fed up, um, hearing that Alice is leaving uh, because of, racism not just leaving i mean alice has been one of the only african americans in springdale she stepped up to the plate with bare res with no resources and she was able to create a very successful mlk uh parade and event and the city i mean with her own resources and so she's invested so much in springdale and to hear that she is having to leave because her kids are experiencing racism that's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And so I just want the community to know that we're asking you to please stand up, speak out and just say racism stops with me.
0: Yeah,
1: thank you for joining us uh, this week, DeAndre. I really appreciate it. There is so much work to do, but uh, luckily we have people like you and other people like Alice as well that are Uh, leading and there's other folks as well like Dr. Whitfield and other folks in our Mm -hmm. community that are uh, leading this charge to make sure that we have a more equal and uh, more like evil like leveled playing field Mm -hmm. um, in our community um, not only in our Northwest Arkansas community but in our state and and, uh, in bigger
3: scales our country so we appreciate you and thank Thank you for being here much. and I I, I have to add this November is coming up And so we, I think each election year we hear this is the most important election of our lifetime. I believe that this election is the most important election of our lifetime. So if we believe that black lives matter and if we want to live in a country where everyone's valued and appreciated and everyone has true access to a meaningful, focused life, then get out and vote. That's right. Thank you.
1: Our third guest for this episode is none other than Dr. Anika Whitfield. She is a force of power in Little Rock with the We Are LRSD movement. She's also part of the Poor People's Campaign and is also a Black Lives Matter activist, among many other things. We close out the episode with a few words from Dr. Anika Whitfield. See you all next week. And don't forget, Black Lives Matter.
4: As I sit here thinking about what to say um, on this broadcast tonight, I know that the people that are listening primarily will probably be in Northwest Arkansas. And so the words that come from my heart and from my mouth um, are words of truth, words of honesty, and words um, of clarity. These words I'm offering are words based on my experience as a black woman, as an African-American woman living in Little Rock, Arkansas, who was born and raised in this state, who uh, was born, obviously, in this country, uh, who was born with a very diverse background of persons uh, as my ancestors, uh, people who are native to this land people who were brought here enslaved um, to work and build the infrastructure in this land and also for persons who um, enslaved persons of this land and so I, I bring all of that with me and I bring those ancestors and I bring the boldness of my ancestors those who though they had Uh, the heart of capitalism, the heart of um, making money off of the backs, off of the lives of people who were both uh, African-American or black, as well as people who are indigenous, that I had some uh, ancestors who believed in liberation and freedom, and most importantly, in love, and who recognized that their hate, uh, their use of bodies uh, was not only Um, ungodly, but it was unacceptable, and that they could not live with it. And so in my generation, I saw the breaking of the curse of enslavement. Uh, In my ancestry, I know that these curses can be broken. And it is with that spirit that I'm speaking to today to say that we have an opportunity uh, in the pandemic of this virus that is killing people uh, in great numbers, um, in alarming numbers, Um, That we have an opportunity to go into our places of sheltering wherever they may be And to look back and reflect on what brought us here How did we get to a place of such instability? How did we get to a place of such utter chaos? How did we get to a place where this pandemic is continuing to spread In places like Northwest Arkansas where people who have to work who must work are going to work and they're getting sick and they're carrying that sickness home and they are dying and this nation is not sympathetic or empathetic but continues to suggest that we need to reopen and that we need to go back to the normal ways that we were experiencing before the pandemic and to that i say it's time to break that curse it is time for us to rise up time for us to acknowledge the fault, the bloody hands of America. It's time for us to stop tiptoeing around the fact that we are in this situation because there are far too many people who have been able to be allowed to be empowered by the dollars that we continue to allow to go into their pockets, into their bank accounts, into their cyber accounts. We have been guilty of of buying into the notion or the idea that this is how it's going to be, or it's always been like that. We don't have to accept those as normalcy. We have an opportunity, a very unique opportunity to turn things around. We have an opportunity to listen to the cries of our ancestors. We have an opportunity to listen to those who have been liberators, not only on this land, but in the earth. That tell us that we have to rise up and resist against immorality. We have to resist the inhumanity that we are witnessing. We have to resist the environmental injustice that we have been experiencing. We have to resist the fear and the hate that this country has been festering for far too long. And so I'm calling upon you, especially those brothers and sisters, those who are listening to my voice that are residing in northwest Arkansas to divest from the people who continue to perpetuate this hate, this fear mongering and this greed in this earth. And you have housed there right around you some billionaires who continue to operate with their cash flow that they received from us, reminding each of us that we've all probably shopped in Walmart and or Sam's Club, that we, many of us who are listening uh, might have even decided that our first investments might be in one of those companies because we know how much people and consumers uh, purchase from those companies. Uh, we also have been guilty of buying chicken and going places where we know that poultry workers are not being respected. Uh, we have been guilty of buying newspapers like the Arkansas Democrat Gazette that has shown us over and over again that they have no love, not only for the black community, but also for the indigenous and also the Latinx and LGBTQ communities. And so we cannot keep investing our dollars in people who continue to harm us, people who continue to terrorize us, people who continue to kill us, and people who continue to control the narrative so far in this nation. And that has been a narrative of white nationalism, that has been a narrative of the haves and the have nots, that has been a narrative that people have to accept this way as normal we do not and so i'm making an appeal to you don't let this time pass don't allow this to be just another uh, situation or circumstances we are experiencing something that has not ever happened before in time yes there have been pandemics before yes there has been systemic racism systemic poverty economic uh divides in the, in this nation in this country yes we have had a war economy for far too long and not only in this nation but in the world and yes we have experienced the environmental justice that not only comes in the land and in the environment in the in the waters but also the environmental justice of how humans are treated because of their choices, because of who they identify themselves to be, because of their faith choices or their unfaith choices, we can do better together. And so I'm calling on you to resist the normalcy of being comfortable going back into Walmart and buying things that are on sale. Find another store. Find another place carpool with some other people with your mask on walk a little bit further get your exercise in whatever it takes don't keep going back to walmart find yourself going to target or some other store and i know target is a hot spot for some people but they have been very generous and kind at least in this uh part of the of the state and they have shown us a lot more love than we've ever seen from walmart um but find another store if it's Kroger or or whatever you're like to to find those items that you need and remind them of the the value of your dollar that if you would shop there and not at Walmart that maybe they could price match or even go down on the price so that we could have an increase in stores that reinvest in our communities that invest in all people that do not discriminate do not try to privatize and do not try to take away resources from the very communities that make them wealthy and so I'm asking you um, to not just hear what I'm saying I'm asking you not to be encouraged by the inflection of my voice I'm asking you to search your own heart search yourself and ask yourself Have I been contributing to this problem? And many of us have to say yes. We've been buying things. We've been investing in things. We've been uh, shopping online uh, through Amazon. I tell you, I have a cache right now where I have been holding off because I need some things for my office. But I don't want to keep giving billionaires money that will not reinvest in us. And so I can't bring myself to even hit the send button. Um, and, and it's a sacrifice and it's a sacrifice not only of cost, um, but also of inconvenience. But we've been sacrificing for so long anyway. And so I'm, I'm not asking you to continue to endure pain and suffering. I'm asking you to resist going back to what has caused us the greatest suffering. And that is the greed of people who continue to create systems that divide us by these false narratives that divide us by using their tactics of fear and their tactics of monopolies and privatization to secure their own wealth and to make sure that those of us who are not in that wealth bracket will never get there and will never be comfortable because they will continue to hold on to their wealth, to their greed, to their fear and to their separatism. And we cannot continue to allow them to do that. We have the power. We outnumber them. We outnumber them. We can turn this around. We can do it. Remember that Black Lives Matter Indigenous Lives Matter, Latinx Lives Matter, LGBTQ Lives Matter. And the reason why we have to say that is because America has been acting like our lives do not matter. George Floyd, we lift up your name. Ahmaud Aubrey, we lift up your name. Sandra Bland, we lift up your name. Brianna Taylor, we lift up your name. Bradley Blackshire we lift up your name Samuel Morris we lift up your name Eugene Ellison we lift up your name Trayvon Martin Michael Brown the names go on and on we don't need to keep seeing lives taken by terrorism lives taken by greed lives taken by people who control the judges and the DAs and have no care or concern about the harm and the trauma that they are causing us day in and out. We are sick and tired of being sick and tired. So divest, 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 move your money to people and places that will reinvest in you. divest, divest divest from those Northwest Arkansas billionaires who don't give a care about your life or anybody else's because if they did care, we would not be in this situation or circumstance. They would have released some of their wealth to release the burdens of America so that we would not have to worry about our school loans. We wouldn't have to worry about mortgages. We wouldn't have to worry about being temporarily off work. They have enough stores in enough cities and in enough states and enough countries that everybody should have been able to have access to food, that everybody should have been able to have access to shelter that was safe, that everybody should have had access to the internet and to electricity and to running water that is healthy to drink. These people that are so wealthy, not only in our nation, but in other nations have been holding on to our resources. We made them wealthy. And it's time for us to divest. Thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to share on your show today, Irvin. Thank you so much for your spirit of truth, power and love. And I hope and I pray that those that are listening will be encouraged to divest, and to set a new normal together. Thank you so much. This is Anika Whitfield from the Arkansas Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival. I'm also the co-chair of Grassroots Arkansas. I'm a podiatrist in Little Rock, and I am an Arkansan, an American, who believe that black lives matter, that indigenous lives matter, that Latinx lives matter, that LGBTQ lives matter, that disabled people's lives matter. And we cannot continue moving through this earth until all lives matter. I thank you so very much. I appreciate you and I love you and I hope that you will move in the spirit of love as well.